Let's rock. Hello, yes, Dan Eisen here. This is the master of Tiger Style, Lee Moriarty, Domino Carini. This is Trey Lamar. This is Zoe Sky. This is Nick fucking Gage. This is Bobby Beverly, and you're listening to the IWTV Guide Podcast. And welcome to another edition of IWTV Guide, your guide to what kind independent wrestling.tv. I'm Jared J. Hawk Hawkins, and joining me as always, the man who asked, what if Jenny married the man who got his, got her phone number off the wall and became Stacey's mom, Charlie Butter? What the fuck are you talking about now? Yeah, it took me all week to think of that motherfucker. And I have no idea what you're talking about. So, good job. You, you, you've heard you, you've heard the song 875309. Sure. Jenny, I got your number off the wall. Like the bathroom stall wall? Yeah. Who's putting people's numbers on there like that? That's weird. It was 1985, different time. That's still pretty weird. Okay. And what if they end up getting married and she became Stacy's mom? I know for I know for a goddamn fact you know Stacy's mom. Well, yeah, everybody knows Stacy's mom. Well, there you go. Yeah, I don't it's buy. Funny, that. It's funny, goddamn it. I, I don't buy it. I, I don't. I don't buy whatever you're you're trying to sell there. <laughs> it's funny, goddamn it. Just trust me. Okay, if you say so. So we're going to do it a little bit different this week. Uh, we're not going to introduce our guests just yet. We're going to bring them in um, later on in the show. So we're going to go ahead and jump into what's on IWTV. Uh, then we'll take a quick commercial break. And when we come back from that, then we will introduce them. So uh, let's jump into this. What's on IWTV? Okay, so Monday, November 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern, we have the premiere of Limitless Wrestling, Dancing on Thin Ice. Uh, some interesting matchups on there. Uh, looks like we had Eddie Edwards against Alec Price, uh, Davian against Masha Slamovich, and uh, yeah, some, some interesting stuff there. All right. Tuesday, November 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern, we have New South Pro Wrestling Action Clash 61. And then Thursday, November 11th at 8 p.m., we have Beyond Wrestling, Uncharted Territory, Season 3, Episode 6. Friday, November 12th at 7 p.m. Pacific, we have West Coast Pro Wrestling, West Coast versus the World. And this is a pretty huge card. Uh, we have for the West Coast Pro Wrestling Championship, AJ Gray defending the title against Black Torres. Also, Jeff Cobb versus Chris Dickinson and Vinny Massaro versus Tomohiro Ishii. So that's that's a, Pitbull making a rare indie appearance in the United States. It should be fun. Yeah, so he's uh he's starting his US tour now hopefully. <laughs> I'd love to see him around. <laughs> uh, a couple of other New Japan guys on there. Carl Frederick against Ray Horik on that show, Levi Shapiro against Yuji Uyamura. Mhm. Um, and some good stuff on that card. And then we got Saturday, November 13th at 7 p.m. Central. New Texas Pro Wrestling, Dallas 41. And that's topped off by New Texas Pro Championship, the champion, the bounty hunter, Brian Keith, going up against Calvin Tankman. And the New Texas Pro Women's Championship, champion Roxy, defending against Trish Adora. It also looks like uh, Ali Catch is making an appearance there. The Mysterious Q will be in action. So, yeah. Some interesting stuff there. And then I believe we have one more show. Yes. Sunday, November 14th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Pro Wrestling Magic Underdogs. And that's going to have uh, Erica Lee, Ace Romero, Buddy Matthews, Jordan Blade against Masha Slamovich. Lots of good stuff on there. So 
that's lots of good wrestling coming up this weekend. Uh, I have no time to watch any of the cuff, and I really want to key it all. Oh, what are you talking about? You got weekends off now. Okay, I, I do need to spend time with the kid at some point. You have like eight hours of the normal day to do that, and since this is in the evening, you put them to bed, and then you watch wrestling. It's your adult time. It's your daddy time. I, I, I'm I'm at the point with the with the uh, with the work schedule that 10 p.m. Eastern might be might be pushing it for me to watch a sh- uh, independent show live. But <laughs> all right, uh, we're gonna do a quick commercial, which I know is super rare for us to do. Uh, when we come back, we will have uh, our guest join us, and we will discuss. Time Bomb Pro, violence is forever. You can't see what's not seen until you let go of what is seen. And that's, I'm talking about your money. Hey there, I'm Austin. And I'm Dalton. And we are a couple of guys who've become friends over our love of professional wrestling and all things carny related to said sport. So we decided to take our love of that and create a podcast about grifters and charlatans and con men. It's called If You Catch My Grift, and it will be available every Saturday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you may get your podcast. All right, welcome back to Tide to Be TV Guide. We got a couple of very special guests on the show here today to talk about a recent show. I'm going to go ahead and start off with the promoter of Time Bomb Pro Wrestling, Eric the Promoter. Eric, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you guys doing tonight? Awesome. Doing, yeah, doing real well. Awesome. And, and also with us here today, very special guest, the Time Bomb Pro Heavyweight Champion. You might have seen him in AIW, you might have seen him in MLW, the Italian-American Dragon. The Bone Collector, Dominic Garini. Hello, gentlemen. What's going on, man? Happy to have you back. Yeah, no, happy to be back, guys. Thank you for having myself and Eric, the promoter, on tonight. The Weekly Review. Okay, because this week we are talking about Time Bomb Pro Wrestling, Violent If Forever, we're playing on October 21st, 2021 in Dilworth, Minnesota, just outside of Fargo, North Dakota, promoted by Eric Dominic Greeny in the main event. Butter, you actually made the 20 come out hour drive to this show. Yes. I watched it live on IWTV because I couldn't justify a 20 hour trip that cloak after my Vegas trip, but I really hate the fact I missed the show. I had to watch it on. I'm happy I got to watch it, but I'm really happy I didn't get to go. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a real crazy trip and uh, the show was awesome. And uh, overall it was definitely the experience I was hoping to have and something I won't, I won't ever forget. So. Yeah, man, like, thanks to all you guys from Ohio who came out for the show. Like, it's, in, like, obviously it was for Dom, but, like, it's just crazy to me that, like, all of you guys traveled to North Dakota to come see this. Like, it was it was super cool to meet all of you guys and have you guys here and everything. And I'm glad that people seem to think that the trip was worth it. Yeah, I really enjoyed the show. Um, the food truck was pretty good. Like, I know it was, some people didn't like it. I thought it was all right. Uh, we, we discovered some interesting stuff on uh the way to and from and 
Oh yeah, there was this. Uh, it was like Don's I ninety four. They had like all this breakfast pizza and like these breakfast sandwiches. It was amazing. Everybody got to go to Pounds, so it was. We did. I love coming to Pounds. <laughs> and I had like the best wings ever there. So now I just dream about those wings. Dude, I feel like people think that it's like a gimmick, where it's just like, oh, I don't. I just was just like saying I love coming to Pounds for TV, but like I love coming to Pounds. The food there is like genuinely really, really good. It is definitely lived up to the hype and then some. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, I was following you guys on Twitter and Facebook all week though. You guys did not seem to be fond of what content for come Reagan. It just, the ride home was the hard part because we literally had to start at the top and go like almost to the bottom and then make a left-hand turn and then go like across. So we were in Wisconsin for what felt like seven hours. Uh, it might've been seven hours honestly it was forever so there was a big cheer when we crossed (laughs) across the border uh yeah we didn't fly there there was we had a bunch of people that flew and uh that might have been the smarter decision honestly because yeah i mean i mean 18 to 20 hours in a car like i love all all of you guys but i'm honestly surprised you guys weren't at each other's throat by the time you got to town much less by the time you got home oh no no we were we kept it positive the whole way so it was all that's good because that's that, an impressive feat i mean if we would have gotten negative and started fighting i think it would have just made it a lot worse i think we we were all really tired and we all kind of knew we had to just push so yeah definitely and it just kind of bonded us we we would you know start you know a bit and it would just go on forever and ever like pretty much the entire bit of the weekend was no love in the van uh and it just <laughs> it was just a whole thing it was just i mean we would see a sign and it would be like, yeah, but there's no love in the van. So we can't go there. So it was just, it was just stupid, but it was kept us going through the whole ride. Yeah. I mean, I got it on Twitter, but I want an AIW show name. No love in the van. Now I know it's never going to happen. Eric, if you want to use that instead, feel free. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it in my pocket and save it for a rainy day. <laughs> All right, so before we get into the show itself, I do need to ask you, Eric, like, I mean, this is a big pickup here, getting Minoru Fuguki a part of the tour here. What went into getting Minoru Fuguki to work this show? As much as I love what you guys do over there, this seems like the most random location for him to show up at. Um, That's kind of like the whole genesis of the thing is just like, I do these shows in the middle of nowhere, and I really like putting on shows that you really wouldn't expect from that area. I mean, pretty much what you just said, but um, the whole process of getting Suzuki was pretty simple. Um, All the thanks goes to Kikutaro, who kind of got me in contact with New Japan and all that. And I mean, there wasn't too much going on with it. It was fairly simple to get him here and everything. Um, He honestly seemed to enjoy it. Uh, He said it was very cold, but that's to be expected. So, but um, I mean, like, that's just the whole thing with Time Bomb is I really like putting on cards that you just would not expect in North Dakota because every other company here is just like random, like yarder dudes. And that's about it. So uh, it seems like that area has just never been a hotbed for wrestling. Like when you even hear about the old territory, day, you, yeah, you never hear about the great card in Fargo. Yeah, I mean, like Min- Minneapolis is pretty close and like all the great wrestling is there. So it's kind of unnecessary to have great wrestling in Fargo, but I'm trying to change that. And I think we're working on it and we're making progress. So, so what was that promotion that wanted to, to bring you all the way out there? Jayhawk? I'm not giving them any publicity, dude. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I got a random email from a guy I'd never heard of before going, we're going to start running a show in April. What's your, what's your rate? And that's all it said. I'm like, uh, Eric, do you know this guy? And that was pretty much all I needed to know from there. Go. It's uh, it's wild out here, man, especially all the like weird promoters and stuff. There's some, there's some real characters out here for sure. Yeah, I was curiously, curiously going to throw out like a random ridiculous number just to keep people willing to pay me half of it up front. <laughs> if you had done that, I might have done it. But it's like, nah, it's not worth it. Uh, anyway, let's go ahead and get into the show here. And we open with Alec Gain taking on Oren Vite. Like, uh, Oren Vite comes out wearing a Houston Astro jersey to establish himself at the heel like, right before the World Series. And everybody hates the Astro for the cheating candle a couple years ago. It's cheap heat, but I love it. Yeah, it's, it's a really... Oh, sorry. Uh... No, it's like a, though? I don't know, man. There's a weird dynamic where he uh, he used to be a good guy, and now uh, I think the crowd's turning on him a little bit. And uh, the Houston Astros thing definitely isn't helping, that's for sure. Okay, now, there's some fun wrestling here. It's a very solid, very good opener. It's only about eight minutes long. Uh, some great technical wrestling. They start doing some more harder hitting and some striking later on in the match. Perfectly, yeah, perfectly gr- good match. Or invite pinning Alec Gang with a... I, I didn't catch the name of it on commentary. I even re- rewound a couple of times, just didn't catch it. But it's like a draping corporate duplex for the pin. Total anarchy. Uh, yeah, total anarchy. Eric Cannon from Minneapolis uh, made that famous back in the mid-2000s. And uh, Oren kind of took it from Cannon once he beat Eric Cannon at the Bloodlust show back in July. Gotcha. Alex Zane could not do very much high-flying because of the... Uh, ring height and the ceiling so he kept the map based yeah. and did a good job so yeah i mean like this was a bit of a last minute replacement since paul london couldn't make it and originally i had talked to alex zane about being on this show but once i checked out the venue i kind of saw how low the ceilings were and knew that it wasn't really going to work out but um last minute the match sounded like a good match to have and i figured he was good enough to make it work and i think he really did so yeah, I didn't even realize Paul Anna wasn't on the show until almost the main event. I was like, oh, oh, well, <laughs> I got to see. <laughs> we got that banger match between uh, Kevin Koo and uh, my favorite dude, Brian Keith. And uh, I love that match. I was just watching it again before we went on the air. And uh, yeah, so I got to see that. And then, of course, you know, the main event. So that was it was a good second yeah, half. For sure. Well, they did announce Paul Lennon was not going to be there like well in advance, though. It wasn't like a last-minute thing, either. I, I didn't even... I missed it completely, so I, it, it, it was all good, though. I wasn't even the least bit upset about it. Okay, from there, our next match. Jordan taking on Badger Brig. Uh, before the match, Jordan cutting a promo, saying, hey, they can, Badger Brig in 20th match. She's done very well for herself. I'm going to give her a chance to shake my hand and walk away, but she's not going to like how this one's going to go. Again, really simple, fantastic. Uh, actually, that kind of plays in the story of the match as well here. Jordan's kind of underestimating her a little bit. She get, yeah, he's getting caught off guard before he finally ends up getting control. And uh, actually a spot where Jordan Kuplek and Brig on the floor right in front of our Ohio contingent. Yeah, I think she took out Orange when she did that. <laughs> Badger, though, is somebody that I feel like she's only had 20 matches, but I've, I see something that, like, I feel like if she came out this way and like went to the AIW school. I feel like she would, uh, just, just be infinitely better. I feel like if she got under Dom's tutelage, she would just be, she would grow leaps and bounds more than she is. And she would be something to definitely watch out for. Not that she won't 
in, in her own time, but I feel like it'd be much quicker if she took that step. Yeah, man. I mean, um, right now, not to peel back the curtain too much, but Eric Cannon has kind of taken her under her wing. And I, I really think that she's going to be something uh, within the next few years. And I mean, like 20 matches in and she's already on a hell of a run. She's already working for places that most people in the Midwest like could only dream of, like first wrestling. And I'm not going to say time bomb, but like, obviously she's doing something right. And yeah, I mean, like, I think within a few years, she's really going to be something special. And that's something that when I did my first couple of time bomb shows, Eric was really like, hey, like talk to her. Like <clears throat> she kind of looks up to you as a wrestler. And I told I think I even told Stacy this when I talked to Stacy, I said, she's got something. It's just going to be about consistency and, and working hard. And, you know, she came and did my seminar before the time bomb show before my injury and asked a lot of questions, had a lot of, you know, feedback. So like Eric said, I really think that she's got a lot of potential and could be very, very good. Right on. Okay. Yeah. And I. Um, there's kind of a unintentional storyline going on right now where pretty much every match Jordan has had in time bomb has ended with a ref stoppage. So, uh, and it's actually been the same ref. So I think this ref kind of has something out for Jordan. Cause it seems like he's stopping these a little too early, but, uh, I guess we'll see what happens with that. I might just keep pairing them together and see what happens. <laughs> Fun little matchup here. Uh, they got a badger playing from underneath. She gets caught in the head and arm truck at one point, doesn't give it up. Uh, at one point, Jordan actually tied their wrist together, and that actually leads into the end of the stoppage finish here. Brick able to catch a German suplex, and then just had both of his arms extended and just keep stopping them in the head until the referee stopped it. And let's be honest with me, your kid might have been an early stoppage, but if we were going to have a May fight, they would have stopped that after, like, the fourth stop. He took at least 15 of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, um, the show before, it was definitely an early stoppage. This one... Uh, I misspoke a little bit. It was definitely late. Um, I'm actually watching the show right now and just saw that. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, the show before in Minneapolis, it still hasn't aired. It'll be on IWTV eventually. But uh, Damon Spriggle had a boxing glove with tacks on it, and he was just nailing Jordan in the head, and he only got, like, two hits in before the ref stopped it, which is which is understandable. But Jordan thinks that he had a lot left in him and definitely has a bone to pick with the ref. Any other thoughts on this one before we move on? Oh, that's about all I got. Okay, so you just mentioned Damon Briggle. He is in the next match taking on Eric Cannon, student versus teacher. Yeah, I mean, like, this uh, this match has happened, I think, only once before, and Cannon beat Spriggle. And, I mean, yeah, this is the ultimate teacher versus student match. Um, it actually just happened a couple days ago again, and I believe Cannon got him this time. But, I mean... Spriggle had the uh, the home field advantage in Time Bomb Pro and had the crowd behind him a little bit more than Cannon, I think. And uh, yeah, really, really good match. I was super happy with it. I think that um, Spriggle is on his way up just as much as Badger is. And I think, uh, I, you know, those are the two Time Bomb young lions, if you want to put it that way. Just kind of uh, really see something in them and hoping that they become something within the next few years. Terrible gimmick on that kid. Yeah. Yep. Humble. Get out of here. <laughs> now, Eric, was he wearing a Funaki uh, tribute gear there or Onita tribute gear there? I was told Onita, so no RF though. RF didn't didn't bring him in, did he? <laughs> God, <laughs> I plead the fifth. And Spriggle does look like he could be eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> 
I just remember the crowd being really loud for this one, and it felt like the other two they were kind of loud for. This one I remember them being really loud for and really into. So this like seemed to really wake up the crowd and get things going. Uh, and I thought this match was really fun. I feel like this is where the show really picked up, honestly. Like not to take anything away from the first two matches, but this one was the one where like um, I guess it was just like four matches in a row that really delivered, and I. Uh, yeah, I mean, like like you said, this was just the one that woke up the crowd. And after that, they were just very, very loud uh, nonstop. Yes. Cannon at one point dug a commission move. I almost can't describe it. It's like he got the arm trapped in like a hammer lock with the leg. And then he's like leaning forward and grabbing the toe. Like what? I have no idea what that thing called. It looked way to hell. Like I had no idea what that damn thing called or how, how to even describe it. I don't even know if I fucking described it right now, to be honest with you. Dude, he's super innovative. Like, I mean, like, uh, what you were talking about earlier, the total anarchy, like, he, I mean, there's so much shit that he comes up with, and, like, it's almost like every match I see something that I've never seen before from him, and it's it's wild, man. I mean, he has so much experience under his belt, and it's it's honestly amazing to watch him work and just uh, see how much experience and how much knowledge he has about pro wrestling, and I, I've heard some whispers that he's thinking about opening up a wrestling school. So I, I really hope that happens because I think he has so much to teach the younger generation. He's like one of the guys that I used to watch all the time when I first got into wrestling in like 05, 06. And like, it was very well publicized when I started indie wrestling that I had like this list of like guys from that era that I wanted to wrestle and Cannon was always on it. Now we've only had one singles match and honestly it was kind of curtailed by only having six minutes, but uh, really fun match, and like I, I think Eric Cannon's one of the best veterans out there right now. And in a world of where we need veterans to help lead young talent like a Damon Spriggle, I think that Eric Cannon's like one of the best guys to do that. Absolutely. Spriggle uh, getting the win in 13 minutes and 13 seconds, and even he looks shocked that he got the win. I, I thought that would played out very well as well. Like, oh my god, I actually beat this guy? Yeah, I mean, it took forever for Spriggle to even get a victory in Time Bomb. Uh, I think his first victory was at the No Ring show we did in uh, June, and then he was even shocked. I mean, like, and it was a pretty decisive victory. So it was, he probably had, like, yeah, about six months into his Time Bomb run where he wasn't getting any victories. So I think even now on a roll, he's a little bit surprised at uh, when he can pull it off. Calibration is short-lived, however, frontman jockey come out and lay him out, and then he's cutting a promo, saying he wants Dominic Garini's belt, but before that, he wants a shot at Briggle. I'm looking yes. forward to both of those matches, by the way. Yeah, so the story here is, um, so at our event in May, Survival Never Goes Out of Style, which is on IWTV, um, frontman jaw beat Eric Cannon, and he issued a challenge to Dom, and that match was supposed to happen at the Bloodlust show, and Dom got injured, so obviously that match didn't happen. And then at the Bloodlust show, we had Kevin Koo versus Frontman Jossie versus Damon Spriggle. And Damon Spriggle won, so we're kind of in a situation where we have two number one contenders right now. So when that match does happen, it's kind of kind of be the, okay, who's the real number one contender? And then they'll get the shot at Dom. Well, they might get the shot at me, and we'll see. It's kind of kind yeah, of I guess. Could be, could be to decide the new champion, as for all we know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we had intermission there. We go to the second half of the show, and it Brian Keith taking on Dom Partner and Violent and Forever Kevin Koo. And oh my god, I love this match. Yeah, I mean, like, this was, um, this is obviously, like, for me, this is match of the night. Sorry, Dom. It, it's That's just okay. like, yeah, I mean, it, the crowd was going absolutely insane for this. I mean, 
I missed probably 25% of it, but like I, I caught the end of it and I caught the standing ovation and, and it was, it was wild. I definitely had to, had some chills when I saw that standing ovation and those guys definitely deserve it. I mean, Brian, Brian Keith, that was his first, uh, time bomb match and i mean he definitely won himself a spot in time bomb pro that's for sure here's what i'll say is that you know when i got hurt obviously kevin and i had so much momentum as a tag team um that if there is one silver lining and everything that's kind of gone on in the last six months of my life is that it's really allowed kevin to shine and show how how good he really is um because you know whenever there's a tag team discussion people always say who's the sean who's the marty and Kevin and I have kind of always disagreed that in our tag team, there is no Sean or Marty. Uh, we view ourselves at Green Comp. There's a Tim and there's a Walter. And both guys are amazing at singles. Both guys are amazing at tags. And sometimes I think that people, because I had a higher profile when I started tagging with Kevin, you know, assimilated Kevin into a lesser talent. But to me, Kevin is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And I really think over the last six months, he's shown that. I would say Koo is one of the most underrated guys on the independence right now. And I honestly maybe the most underrated guy on the independence right now i i really hope that he keeps getting singles opportunities like that and can show the entire world that he he can go with anybody and i mean obviously like that match was a testament to how good he is and yeah yeah i think uh just the combination of both of them i knew the match was going to be something special to see and uh i know they said they are already wanted to run it back and absolutely i don't care where it's at if it's in sup or wherever like i want to see that again because uh both these guys are awesome uh brian keith like ever since uh our buddy mouse decided uh you know that this was you know the next guy out of texas like he's one to watch like i started paying attention and he definitely has the that it factor that makes you want to watch this guy wrestle so uh, and he's super nice out of the ring too. Like we got to talk a little bit and he's a uh, pretty down to earth guy. So I'm pretty happy uh, with all that interaction. And I think that uh, he just, from everything I've seen, like he definitely could, uh, you know, be a top name on the Indies here in the next couple of years. Yeah, man. I mean, he's got the look, he's got the skills. He's a good dude. I mean, he kind of had his showing mania weekend and with mania weekend being in Texas. I mean, I, I think he's going to have a hell of a weekend. I think he's just only going to grow from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, both these guys were hitting each other their best stuff, not being able to put it the other way. And as soon as I actually typed that up in my note, I hear coming to commentary go, it's like a snuff film in there. I described it as I could, honestly. Just hard hitting, 12 minutes and 17 seconds. Koo gets the Fisherman Buster into a small package for the pin. Great stuff. Uh, I'm going to disagree with the B match tonight. I did like Dominic and Gookie, but lo- a little bit better than this. And I'm not just getting that blow smoke up Dom Gaff to go kick here. That's going on. That's going on. opinion. But this was really fucking good. I think there was a cool dynamic where like this was the um, this was the work rate match of the night. And, you know, Dom and Suzuki really went to work. But there was also the sense of just like this is an insane spectacle. And like just seeing these two in a ring together is what made it so special. And then the match obviously being great just kind of added to everything. But but yeah, I mean, for me, this was the match of the night. And I've watched it a couple times now just because it's it's such an awesome vibe in the crowd and I feel like Time Bomb has never really had a match like that before where everybody is just like, holy shit. Yeah, so if you're no, a promoter and you listen to this, book Kevin Koo and book Brian Keith. They're awesome. Yeah, and, and if you and if you get, uh, ran a poll and it was 50-50 between whether this one and Dominic Koo match of the night, I would be I honestly believe the, that number. They're both really good. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, so our next match is a no roll match. Gabriel Sky against Doctor Cube. <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna just say it. I was not a fan of this match. I thought this was a six minute match that went sixteen, especially for what they were doing. <laughs> you and I, brother. You and I. <laughs> I, I. I'm glad you, you of all people, agree with me on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll. Uh... We won't peel back the curtain too much on that, but it, it definitely went over time, that's for sure. Oh, I I I had that just like an opinion, and they're like, we're out that accurate with my assessment <laughs> on it. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it it was it had some cool spots. Uh, the crowd seemed to be into it, but watching it back, man, it, it uh, I don't want to I don't want to shit on it too much because it is my show. But man, it, it went way too long. Yeah, I will say my favorite spot of the entire show in, in this match. Gabriel guy hang from the rafter and drop an elbow. Oh, yeah, that was Eric's favorite spot too. He loved it. <laughs> yeah, I was literally, I was literally standing right next to the venue owner, and I'm freaking out. Like, I'm so sorry. I had no idea about this, and this is our first time at that venue, so I was obviously freaking out about everything in this match, just expecting them to like never want us back. But yeah, yeah, but they they used everything. They brought out the skewers like two minutes in. They used crutches. They used chairs. They used the computer keyboard. I thought I was watching a New Jack match for a while here. Yeah, I thought, yeah, this I, was supposed to, she... I thought this was supposed to be the cooldown match in between the, <laughs> the two Violences Forever <laughs> matches, and then this was like going crazy. I'm just like, what is happening right now? Well, it was a cooldown match for me. I can't speak for anybody else. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're not big hardcore guys on here. I thought it was fine. Like, I like to see somebody get some skewers and, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, that kind of stuff's kind of cool to me, like to see live. I don't know. Watching it, it's probably not as fun as seeing it live. Yeah, I think that's the thing is like the live crowd was like into it. And I mean, it was fun to watch live, but uh, watching it back, it's just uh, everything seems a lot longer when you watch it on video. And that match definitely seems a lot longer. I know I know Dr. Cube is going to be listening to this. So I just want him to know that this match went 16 minutes and five seconds. And uh, that's about uh, let's see, about eight minutes and five seconds too long. So thanks a lot, Dr. Cube. And apparently there was a lot of people that were very upset that he did not tuck his neck flaps. So there are, there are rules to this. Apparently uh, I was unaware of them when it was being discussed, but uh, there's certain attire if you're going to have neck flaps so that they do not. Also, there was a, uh, there was a certain uh, Ohio wrestler who uses skewers who was very upset about this match, but, uh, but I digress. Oh God. I won't say we were watching this in the Discord and somebody in there go, that's not my Dr. Cube. <laughs> hate to say it, but uh, skewers were being used well before he was uh, using them. So, But I digress. He needs he needs to get over himself if, if that's an issue, honestly. I yeah, can... I've, I've worked show where skewers have been used and that guy working on any of them. So. I did one of the coolest skewer spots ever, so I don't want to fucking hear exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, you even took skewers to the ear, like well before he was like using them at all, and like Masada was I, I using them. The, I respect the young man that we're talking about, but I don't think that that needs to be your entire identity, and you don't think you need to do it in every single match. I think when you do it in every single match, it loses some of its luster. Right. Um, and that young man is having a very, very big year, and I'm very happy for him being a local guy. Just sometimes, you know, you can get protective of stuff, but sometimes you got to let it go. Wrestling, as I tell the kids at the IW school, is 100% the most Simpsons did it of all things. Whatever you do, right. somebody else is done or somebody else is going to do. Right. Let it go. 
Plus, it's Dr. Cube. Who fucking cares? <laughs> I mean, it's my first oh, time no, getting to see Dr. Cube. Without the skewers, the match might not, not have gone 1605. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was the first time seeing this version of Dr. Cube. I, th- I, I thought it was kind of cool. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a cool gimmick. I like it. He's he's doing something cool. I just uh, I just wish he would uh, understand the concept of time a little bit more. I was honestly kind of disappointed that he didn't wrestle with the giant cube on his head. I- <laughs> right? Like I want to see if it's a suplex with the cube on his head. <laughs> like I'm kind of I, for my first time Kingdom Two. I'm like, okay, we got like a Minecraft wrestler here. That could be interesting. They took the helmet off. Like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> cube does get the win here with a Samoan drop off the top. Fifteen oh five. You can say 8.05 too long. I'm going to say about 12.05 too long. Jay Gold would probably say 17 minutes too long. <laughs> I, I love the thought of Dr. Cube listening to this right now and just being absolutely heartbroken. So I don't want, I don't know the dude. Like I don't want to crap on the dude. It's like I was not into this match really from the beginning, and it just dragged on and on. It, it happened sometimes. Yeah, Again, man. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it happened, that's for sure. So, but... <laughs> What we had after definitely made up for it. So, oh, absolutely. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but uh, real quick here, bef- uh, uh, before we get to our main event, after cleaning up the ring, Badger Brink is one of the ones helping to clean up the ring and clean up. So we were talking earlier about uh, the dedication she got to the business already. Here she is. She wrestled on the card and she helping clean the ring. She's paying her due during a show that she already worked on. More young yeah, wrestlers need to take note of this. Yeah, Badger and Damon Spriggle actually drove like 20-something hours to IWA King of the Death match just to do ring crew. So uh, you can't say that they don't love wrestling, that's for sure. Yeah, also uh, Pedro was there. He was helping out. Yeah, Dude, huge, huge shout-out to Pedro. He did not have to do anything. He bought a ticket. He was there to be a fan. And, I mean, he was there taking tickets at the door. He was helping clean up the ring. Like, I cannot thank Pedro enough for everything he did. He made an extremely stressful night uh, a lot easier for me. So if Pedro is listening to this, I, I know Dom relayed the message, but thank you very, very much. Riley Rose, too. He, uh, when and oh, the yeah. action spilled out to the crowd, he was right there, like making sure everybody was out of the way and safe. And I was just like, see, that's good training because I know he would do that at AIW. So it was, it was kind of cool to see him there doing it there, too. And I'm just like, see, that's that's stuff you learn that you just proud to know that he's doing his thing. Like that he just knows to do that. So, yeah, exactly. Huge shout out to Riley Rose. I mean, there's kids from Minnesota that could have came and done that, but they didn't want to make the drive. So, uh, shout out to Riley Rose for doing that. He came all the way from Ohio and is still helping out. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've I've known Pedro for over 10 years. I've worked a lot of shows with Pedro over the 10 or 11 years at this point. I don't think he can help himself. Like, I feel like he almost feels like he had to help out if he got a show, even if he doesn't have to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I told him that he didn't have to help out, and he was just, like, totally down for it. He did not seem like he felt inclined to do it at all. Like, he just wanted to do it, so... <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about Pedro. Well, let's go ahead and get into that main event, the match that people drove 20 hours or more to key live. Dominic Garini, Minoru Kanguki, one-on-one. Dom, uh, I'm going to uh, defer to you before we talk about the match itself here. Man, I know this is one of those matches, Yeah, with your, with your injury, you're, you've been really careful to try not to get in the ring too soon, but this had to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you. Yeah, I mean, I talked with uh, Colette from Fansided a little bit about this matchup, the week of it. But it kind of comes down to this, you know, when Eric had reached out to Kikitaro, got the New Japan contact, he had reached out to me and asked um, if I had interest in doing the match. 
because Eric didn't really have an interest in booking Suzuki unless it was against me, which, uh, you know, big props to Eric for, you know, having that much faith in me. Um, so I kind of like took like a couple days because he, I think he texted me on like a Friday about it. And I, I took a couple days to think about it. And I talked with a couple people, one of which was Pedro. Um, I talked with kind of like my mom and my sister who are kind of like big, uh, influences in my life in terms of like, everything has been going on with me. Then I reached out to Eric Stevens and Tom Lawler. They were, oh, and Koo. And like, I kind of like, everybody kind of just said, hey, this is a once in a lifetime chance. You know, you probably can't screw anything up too bad in, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. Um, so it was, that was pretty much where I made the decision to do it. Um, Eric put it all together. And from there, um, I explained it like this to somebody, you know, a lot of people have dream matches that they want. And sometimes dream matches are just never going to happen. Um, like I equated wrestling Suzuki to like a young kid, like an Arthur MacArthur wrestling, like Hulk Hogan, who's his favorite wrestler of all time. Like when I got back into wrestling in 2015, I started training, you know, Suzuki was the guy that I followed, you know, Suzuki is like a godfather of modern mixed martial arts. Uh, so like the opportunity to really tangle with him was awesome. And it was something that when it came up to me. I was just kind of like, I'm going to take this chance for sure. Yeah. And a guy like Suzuki who, uh, yeah, Mokley and Pancrate, 29, 19, and 1, like an MMA fighter. Come on, 50 fight in MMA on top of 30 come odd years in wrestling. Uh, coming on commentary, made the comment that he'd been wrestling longer than Dom been alive to give you, just to give you that heads up at what you're looking at here. We, we had that, Suzuki and I had that conversation in the locker room. We kind of laughed about it. Um, I will say this, though. I told, I had told Eric that if something had come up, let's say, like, prior to the match and we had announced myself versus Suzuki, the only way that I would agree to this if I had to pull out was if the match would go to coup, if for whatever reason I couldn't do it. And uh, Eric, you know, being the good, you know, friend that he has agreed to that uh, kind of sentiment, although when I accepted the match, I was pretty sure I was going to do it no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a match with Kaguki, if you, as long as you could have walked to the ring, you were going to take it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you kind of answered another question I had, though. How much English does Kaguki know? I'm actually going to ask about how about communicating for a match like this. I guess you actually know quite a bit of English then? He knows enough English. Um, true story, I actually learned how to call matches with people that don't speak English from Hot Sauce, Tracy Williams, and Drew Gulak. I was really young in wrestling. I went all the way to New York City to do a uh, Dick Togo seminar with um, Evolve at the time. And Tracy and Drew were there, and I've known Tracy pretty much since the start of my career. I consider Tracy like an extra trainer to me. Uh, I put him right up there with Johnny and Candice when it comes to training me. Um, so they got, I had some one on one time with them in Togo, and they kind of taught me the intricacies of calling a match with someone that doesn't speak any English, um, where it helped that Suzuki spoke more than enough English to kind of you know, bridge the gap, um, which was great. Um, Suzuki also was very excited at kind of my background because I don't know if he had known much about me coming in, uh, but when Eric picked him up to bring him to the venue, he kind of wanted some background on me. And when Eric explained my credentials, he got really excited. And then I could see when we were calling the match, like excitement kind of in him that it was going to be a little different than some of the maybe more pro wrestling style stuff that he had done thus far in this U.S. tour. Yeah, I mean... Uh, me and Suzuki, like, we barely talked on the drive there just because of the language barrier, but he just kind of out of the blue asked me uh, what style of wrestling Dom does. And when I said, all I said was shooter, 
and I could kind of see the uh, glimmer in his eyes. And then I said, uh, purple belt jujitsu. And he just goes, ah, and you could tell that he was super excited about everything. I mean, I, I think he had a great time. Uh, I know on Instagram, he referred to Dom as an unknown player, but uh, I, I think realistically he really enjoyed the match. You can kind of see on his face at the match and going on. He can join himself out there. Like he can't help but smile during both of the match. Oh, definitely, definitely. And now I'm curious. With the exception of the crowd chaining murder grandpa, he kind of pointed the crowd and like, what the hell are they chanting? Right. Did anybody have to explain that to him? <laughs> I mean, he's de- he he definitely knows what it is. I don't think he's a fan of it, but he definitely knows what it is. <laughs> and he doesn't want to be called old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. It's a term of endearment, though. We, we 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 mean it lovingly. It's not something like we mean it disparagingly. There is a great moment in this match where where he like yells at Pat. Yeah, yeah. I so totally funny. missed this. What did I? What happened there? It was like I think like like they were chanting, and then he was like chanting like Pat was chanting for me, but he was like so loud about it that like Suzuki just like singled him out and told him to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> My, I think my favorite moment of the match is when you guys spill to the outside and uh, ring photographer Jess is in the way and you could see her like sprinting out of the way while Suzuki's got you by the hair and he's like dragging you. And then like Jess is still in the way and Suzuki obviously doesn't want to push her. So you just see him kind of like scurry her out of the way and she just like kind of skips out of the way. It's it's really funny on camera. Is that right before he uh, threw Dom in the post? Yeah, yeah, and he had him in the chair and kicked him and all that and all the stuff in the crowd. Okay, oh, Don, what could like take him with a little forearm from Kaguki? But he hit you with one, he just went down. I couldn't tell if, it, if he actually hit you harder for that one smelling. I'm uh, yeah, he, he hit, hit that one pretty hard, the one that put me down. Um, you, you know, Suzuki is a true professional to work with. Um, it was everything I wanted. Um, <clears throat> it's funny, I, I brought this up, I think, to probably Pedro after the match. Is like, I, I stood around and talked for a while with everybody after the match. Um, and this is something I took out of jiu-jitsu, too. Um, you know, when we're kids and we play football, we're kids and we play basketball, we're kids and we play baseball, the chances of us being able to play a game with Tom Brady are, are slim to none. The chances of us being able to play a one-on-one with LeBron James are slim to none. But, like, sports like Brazilian jiu-jitsu and professional wrestling kind of give us the opportunity to actually compete with our heroes. Um, and I, I just kind of, like, reveled at that idea, you know, that night of, like, this is something that I now you can never kind of take away from me that I got to compete against, you know, probably one of the greatest purveyors of shoot style wrestling of all time. Um, and just overall, like really cool. And, you know, I've, I've thanked Eric more than enough times for, you know, setting it up. So um, overall though, Suzuki awesome. Um, gave me a lot more than he had to give me. Um, he could have really just come through, had a really late, boring match on a Thursday night. Um, even Tom Lawler talked to me, about the match and he's he said how much he loved it and said the only thing he wished was that we went another four or five minutes mm-hmm. yeah man i mean like um when you had him in those sleepers and you kept going for that that's honestly probably the most vulnerable i saw suzuki on this whole tour minus like i'm trying to think of like i'd have to rewatch them but there there was maybe a few moments where he looked really vulnerable but that was definitely one of them and i i was surprised that he gave that to you and i was very happy he gave that to you yeah, the, the only thing the only thing comparable on the tour was probably the Brian Danielkin match. That's what I was gonna say, but I didn't want to say for sure because I haven't. I've only watched it once. Uh. That's a true. This, this is a true story. That Danielson match happens what about six days before the match, and I, I kid you not, no less than four to five people texted me right after that match and were like, oh, "Are you ready?" And I was like, 
please don't compare me to the greatest wrestler ever. Um, <laughs> my best, but like I'm the Italian American dragon, not the American dragon. So uh, I, I hope you guys don't think a that I'm going to be able to put together that kind of match, or b that Suzuki's going to come willing to work that hard on a Thursday night in Dilworth as he did for you know ten thousand in Miami. Well. I know some other people said that uh, of this tour that Danielson match was one and your match was two. And I a hundred percent agree with that. I think that those two were, were my top two favorite um, of his little tour that he did. So I think it was, I think it was everything it needed to be. Like he said, if it was longer, I'd have been even more excited. I know when you had those spots with him in the sleeper, the crowd was eating it up and was going insane for it. Um, and like you were supposed to be the bad guy and like it, it, it did not feel that way in the building. Like really to me, it felt like it was, it was very much, uh, just a really electric atmosphere. It was really cool. Yeah. And, and that means a lot that everybody kind of says like that. I probably got the second best match out of Suzuki on the, on the tour. Um, especially having not wrestled for six months, almost six months com- coming in, you know, I, I did enough training. I-, I did as much training as I could at the AW school to kind of get ready for the match. Um, when I knew what I could, like when I knew the match was going to happen, I kind of knew how I could train with my limitations. And I-, I was able to train with the kids at the school and they were great help to me, just kind of keeping me in shape and stuff. Um, one of my favorite moments actually occurred on our ride back to the hotel, though. Um, this Suzuki US tour actually kind of took place during the G1, um, which is usually like a big thing for Suzuki. Usually he always does the G1, mm-hmm. um, but he did this US tour instead. And I remember Eric <laughs> asks him on our way back to the hotel, he goes, uh, um, Minoru, um, did you like American tour more or G1? And he goes, American tour, very much. Good. So Suzuki would much rather do the American tour again next year than the G1, he said. Good. Yeah, and one last thing I want to add about the like where you said that Dom was supposed to be the bad guy in this. I mean, I feel like this was the rare occasion where for like one night only, this was, you know, even though Dom is the asshole in Time Bomb, this was like a Dominic Garini appreciation night because I don't want to speak for him, but like he's very careful about his future with his injury and everything. And I don't know what the future holds for him. I don't know what he plans on doing, but if this was like one of the last matches, I mean, I think this was one to go out on and to have so many people from Ohio there and everything. I, I think that this was a really special night. And I mean, I, I hope that Dom can come back to the ring for the sake of his career and for the sake of time bomb and everything. But if this was one of the last ones, man, this was definitely one to go out on. Well, IWTV scared the crap out of us watching on the, on the stream. When you started undoing the, the pads on your, on your boot, that's when they went off the air. We went, oh, my God, is he taking the boot off in the ring? What the fuck? What'd you cut away there for? Like, we are, like we were actually, like, going, did that it? Like, is he done done? Yeah, so, I mean, I'll never know. Yeah, but, I mean, if that would have <laughs> been it, like, that would have been the perfect way to go out. <laughs> but, yeah, that was that was a thought. Um, obviously, my future, as I kind of tweeted the, the, the absolute next morning, I'm, I'm still up in the air, obviously. I, I still have specialist visits that I'm going through. Um, I don't have a timeline on anything right now. Um, so, you know, my thought process was at least this was probably going to be my last match for a little while. And there was no better last match for a little while than dream match. You know, he did, they did, they did the Tony Soprano, uh, ending there with the Sopranos. They just, they <laughs> cut it, they cut it just out, out, and everybody's like, what the fuck happened? Well, well no, in fact, Robo is a massive, uh, massive supporter of my Italianness and the Sopranos. So <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Robles who's doing the video that night. If that was his kind of idea behind it. 
Yep, that's that makes the most sense to me. I know I I came right up to the ring too when you started to, and I was like, oh man, I was like, what's going on? But I, I was like, I'm getting up to the ring to to see the end of this. So, well, that was the other thing that Suzuki didn't have to do that he did very much when we went for the handshake at the end. He could have just kicked my hand away and left, and then like had me take like kind of like oh hey I get my adulation. But he you know what he obviously enjoyed the match enough and respected me enough to shake my hand and give me a hug. Which is like something like I sent the picture of it to Pedro the next day, and I said, "Well, this is something that no one can ever take away from me." Yeah, that was that was a really cool moment, man. That was I was very happy for you uh, in all aspects of this. This was really cool to see. I'm I'm glad I got to be there live to see it. It's it's definitely uh, worth worth everything. It was really fun. Yeah, man. For me, this went about as perfect as it could have went. Like with with Dom and Suzuki. Um, they de- like I mean, like I said, Suzuki gave Dom so much more than I was expecting, and I'm very appreciative of that. Being that he is the time bomb champion and everything, and I, I have zero complaints about this match. I love it. I'll watch it probably for the next God knows how long of my life, and just kind of think about how cool it was that this whole thing happened in the middle of nowhere, North Dakota slash Minnesota. And once Minoru Suzuki gained the win with the Carl Gotch style power driver in 13:06, that was your show. Uh... Uh, granted, we got a couple of uh, pretty biased people here, but somebody tell me if we do the thumb cup, thumb down, thumb kind of middle, we got four thumb cup coming up here. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's no definitely. Need. This was a guaranteed thumbs up show. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing that I really enjoy about what Eric does with promote with Time Bomb is that he runs a tight show. Um, I understand we're in an era where promotions want longer shows because longer shows equal more streaming money. Man. A wrestler on these shows now over the last six months have last six months having to consume these shows. If you have anything above two hours, I pretty much turn into a pumpkin and I'm ready to like just pack it in. So like the fact that Eric usually keeps anything but between six to seven matches and about two hours with an intermission is absolutely perfect. Yeah, man. I mean, for me, this is like I'm not like this is such a bad thing to say as a promoter, but I'm not in this to make every single penny that I can possibly make. So when it comes to things like show times and everything like that, I don't care. I just want a show that's not going to drag on forever and a show that's not going to be like an hour long. But I, I really think that six to seven matches and that two hour time run is like a, it's just a sweet spot. And I'm glad that a lot of people appreciate it and don't think that they're getting robbed or anything because when I do map out those six matches, I really try to make all of them mean something and I try to have just importance in every single one of them. And I think that's something that is a little bit lost on indie wrestling right now. And obviously Ty Bomb is, we have a lot to improve and everything and we're only three years into this, but I think that we're really onto something with the two hour runtime. And I, uh, I look forward to just, uh, keep having awesome shows that are super easy to watch for everybody and that seems to be the most praise that i hear from people is that these are just really easy to watch shows yeah i'm super okay. glad i didn't have to sit through like a three-hour show to get to to the matches i wanted to see it was pretty quick i mean painless to get through to the intermission and get to the everything else and it was it felt great it was, it was quick and it was uh timed very well so i appreciate that thank you yeah, I'm a big fan of like I am of old school Ring of Honor. I would have some of those shows. Some of those things were like five hours long. It's like I love these shows, but not every match has to be 25 minutes. Supercard of Honor one is like a six-hour show. Yes, I watched it last year during the pandemic, and I could not get over how long of a show it was. Like every match is pretty good for the most part. I mean, minus like some random like student type matches, but man, like it's like four time bomb shows in one. 
<laughs> yeah, and that can actually well kind of give John Thorne credit. One, he started streaming a little bit more often. Okay. Better than I went to a lot of the IW shows that were four or five hours long. Now that they're on IWTV that's a little more often, they're two and a half to three. That's less of streaming, and that's more Billy Kidman. Um, so the biggest thing about like AIW and like the adjustments that have been made there is because when I started, the shows were like four or five hours, like every show. Um, a lot of that was taught to us by Kidman when he came in for Seven Year Itch. We did that show because he stayed and watched the whole show and gave us like notes. And like I still use those notes when I produce and like mm-hmm. I'm on the headset. Like when I was in MLW, I was teaching Davari stuff that like he didn't even know about. And he's been around wrestling for like 20 years. Um, well, but it was never into it until monetization got completely cut out. Um, because when Thorne was sick for that one show where he was like, in the hospital, like gonna die, mm-hmm. I told him the day of when I met him in the hospital, I said, I'm gonna cut Japanese entrances, and he told me not to. So, thank god he finally came around on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely like the uh, the current entrances, that definitely helps a lot, uh, with um, all that kind of thing. So, I, I do find it absolutely hilarious though that. For years, the whole thing was something ran long and blamed Kidman for the show running long and given the one time he had the Titans to show up. All right, I think it's good. I think so. We've, we've pretty much exhausted we're going to talk to you about this show here. So let's go ahead and get some plugs in. Uh, Eric, let's go ahead and start with you. Uh, yeah, you can find me on all social medias at Time Bomb Pro. Um, we're on YouTube, Time Bomb Pro Wrestling, all that stuff. Um, right now, I don't have too much to plug. We are on a little bit of a break. It, 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 isn't intentional, but it does kind of co- coincide with uh, Dom's uh, uncertainty in his future and everything. Um, I mean, we're on a break for at least the rest of the year. We're going to come back strong, hopefully early next year. Just kind of, you know, there's nowhere that you can really go from Minoru Suzuki. So it's kind of nice to take a little bit of a break and we'll come back strong next year and uh, just kind of pick back up where we were at and everything like that. But yeah, um, at Time Bomb Pro and everything is where you can find me. All right, Dom, I know you don't have anything in-ring going on right now, but I know you've still got some stuff going on, so let's hear it. Obviously, um, support me. I have a lot of uh, I have merch everywhere. I got a pro wrestling tea store. Honestly, that would be my last resort for you guys. Um, I offer a great service to people who don't have the ability to have good local screen printers, but uh, I've been blessed to have a great local screen printer who does my shirts for me. Um, so I do have a new shirt that I did for the Suzuki match. The extras I have are on my Big Cartel, uh, and that's dgarini.bigcartel.com. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at dgarinibc. Um, kind of follow around my stuff. Um, for that matter, you know, obviously I'm going to continue to be a producer at AIW over this break. So please come out if you listen to the show and you're in the Cle- greater Cleveland area. Uh, to Hell on Earth on November 26th. Uh, obviously, Jeff Jarrett doing a meet and greet. PCO making his AIW return. Psycho Clown making his AIW debut. A lot there. Also, if you're in the New England, uh, Boston, Massachusetts area, come out and support SUP in action. Um, I help a lot out with SUP, and I'll be out there for that when they are a part of the WrestleVol. Um, you guys are on IW TV based podcasts. So, uh, TV uh, is going to have a, a whole string of shows, uh, New Year's Day, New Year's uh, Eve, um, called the Russellville. It's, I think, Sup in Action has a show. Beyond has, of course, Heavy Lies the Crown, one of their big shows of the year. Um, Limitless is doing a show. Blitzkrieg is doing a show. And I think there's another company that I'm forgetting, but it's going to be like kind of like a mini collective Um over a couple of days, just called the Russellville. So that'd be really cool. So support that. Um, I know... 
some of the action sub matches that have been discussed will be right down IWTV Guides Alley. So otherwise, uh, just stay tuned and, you know, hopefully good stuff happens. Right on, man. Uh, you know, we're all pulling for you. Hopefully you get good news and uh, we get to see you uh, collecting bones again soon in the ring. Thank you, guys. Thank you. If not, you'll see me up in the crow's nest, uh, likely throwing my laptop when somebody has music doesn't play. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you in the crowd for a couple seconds at the show, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, always, you can follow me on Twitter at RefJayhawk, Instagram at Jayhawk1539, and everyone follow on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash RefJayhawk. And you can check out our t-shirt store over at whatamaneuver.net. We have hoodies available right now on getting cold, so get yourself a hoodie with our nice logo on the front of it. Uh, and check out our podcast friends, Wrestling Cheers, Pod Van Dam, the Super Fantastic Podcast, If You Catch My Grift, and At Odds With Wrestling. Check out our other friends, PWPonderings.com, Big Starks Brand, Set Tab Photos, Smoking Jay's Barbecue, and Kayfabe Collectibles. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Charlie underscore Butters. You can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram, at IWTV Guide. Talk to you next week, everyone. Yeah.